You know, we go through the trouble, we hear about all these, and then we hear that song. I think that's very fitting. Because I was sitting there thinking about the songs, Brother Harold, and I thought, man, this is going to be a down-and-out service. Because our hearts are broken for the Braddock family. Our, our hearts are broken for the Hokett family, the, the storms. And, man, I was sitting there, and Trey went to school with a young man. And I'm talking about just how quick, how many of you watched on the news about Colby Ingram? Uh, see a few. Trey went to school with him. That boy, when I'd seen him was in school, he just, he just, honry, but a good honry, good kid, hard worker. That boy got out of school and he, he went down the wrong path. And that boy went missing last April. Not one thing heard of him. The last time I seen Kobe Ingram was at the Mexican restaurant in Pegs. And it would have been probably two years ago. It went down the wrong path. One of his buddies in high school was trying to help him and whispered that to me. And then he come up to me and his words, Well, I'll see you Sunday. I never seen him. Prayed for him, seen where he was at in a bad spot in his life. But he went missing a year ago this last April. Because of that lifestyle, many feared the worst. And that's why I asked if any had saw the story. Rennie'sville, Oklahoma. They found his body cut to pieces. When that's somebody that your kid's age, when that's somebody you seen went down the wayward path and when you read that article you can't even imagine to be shot and somebody so evil I mean I left here today that's consumed me when I pulled out today riding with Trenton and Marissa and Marty to go eat I just pulled out on the road and I just can't imagine somebody being so evil to shoot a so-called buddy and cut his body up, scattered I can't even fathom that. But when I told Wadey that was helping me work cattle that they'd found him, I knew his son worked with Colby. And here's the reason I'm going to share this with you. As far as we've seen Colby go downhill in his wayward lifestyle, when I told Wadey Shade about they'd found Kobe Ingram and he hadn't heard it, he immediately picked up the phone and called his boy to see if he knew they'd found him or his body. He said, yeah, I've heard. I work with his dad. His dad's been down there. Can you imagine his dad having to go to that spot? And as having trouble, you can imagine, with just little body pieces, uh, trying to piece this together. Here's what they ask his dad. And, and I went to school with his dad. And I know his dad had been like many. Only the Lord can fix this. This boy's went really wayward. They said, do you know anything that you know 100% sure? This is what they asked his dad that he would have with him that we could be looking for. 
Here's what the dad told him. Every bit of his belongings are in two plastic containers that he bought at Walmart. They said, would there be anything specific that we know it would be in that would be in them containers if we find them? Can you imagine a daddy? He said, there's one thing that I'm sure will be in those containers if you find them. A Bible that his grandma got him and told him that's what he that was what would get him back. You know what they found in that container? That Bible. So as bad as a lifestyle is sometimes, look up here and listen to me. God sees the heart. I'm not saying he went to heaven, but I'm saying when a grandma handed him, thus saith the word of God. We never know what was in his heart. But I think we all know how drugs and alcohol can grip you in such a way that's not you. To know that a young man carried a Bible and a daddy that knew he carries all of his belongings and there's one thing that I'm sure you'll find. Man, that just have to give me some kind of hope that he never, even though his lifestyle had completely spiraled out of control, isn't that something that God still gives us just a little bit of hope? Did he know the Jesus of the Bible? Did he take serious the Word? But he just couldn't get the victory over the flesh. Because do you want to know something here tonight? When you get saved, your flesh don't get saved just your spirit you got to overcome the flesh that don't get saved and it's a battle so that would have to give a family that's been distraught for over a year to know that was even found still with his stuff it may not be much but it's a little bit of hope i believe we're going to see some great victories we're going to be surprised who's not in heaven but we're going to be surprised who made it because of what's near and dear to the heart. Thank God he looks at the heart and not the outward appearance like we do. So thank God he sees it all, and thank God through Jesus he can give us the victory. And all God's people said amen and amen. Something to chew on, Psalms chapter 5, and I'm going to try to go real fast because it does preach itself. But it's hard to go fast. Psalms chapter 5, and let me say this before I just bring to mind everybody talks to the Lord. Psalms 3, 4, and 5, they're tied together. You can't separate them. Okay? And the setting is David had sinned. And the consequences, although he was forgiven, his son Absalom was trying to take his spot on the throne. If you remember what I've said about Psalms, when we go through it, you're going to find a roller coaster. You're going to find that tragedy comes. And through that tragedy, you've got to trust God. And when you trust God in that tragedy, there's going to be a triumph. And then when you get that triumph and you see that victory Dave sang about, 
Guess what? Somewhere down the road, another tragedy. Guess what the circle's going to be? God's going to call you to trust Him in the tragedy. And guess what? You're going to see the victory because triumph will come again. If you don't learn nothing out of Psalms, you ought to learn that life is a roller coaster and it goes tragedy, trust, triumph, tragedy, trust, triumph. And that's where Dave is. He's there in Psalms 3. He's there in Psalms 4. And now we come to Psalms 5. I want you to look at Psalms 5.3. David says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. I think he hears all of our voices of a morning. But you've probably heard it said, sometimes we get up and say, Good Lord, it's morning. But David teaches us to get up and say, Good morning, Lord. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He's going to hear your voice in the morning. Do you want to be one of those negative Nancys that gets up and says, Good Lord, it's morning. Or do you want to be able to get up and say, Good morning, Lord. I'm here to praise you. I'm here to ask you some things. And here he says, Good morning, Lord, according to verse 3. And in Psalms chapter 5, David asked the Lord some things. Aren't you glad we have the privilege of prayer? And aren't you glad we can get up every day and say, Good morning, Lord. It's been well said we ought to pray every morning. I like the sowing terms. A day that's hemmed in prayer is less likely to come unraveled. One preacher of yesteryear said you can't afford not to pray because every day holds great dangers. So we need to learn to pray. So what does David ask God of in Psalms chapter 5? Number one, David asked God to listen. And when I say he asked God to listen, I want you to think about David's life. When Saul was trying to kill him, he was right smack dab in the center of God's will. Do you reckon he, he got up and really begged God to listen? He was so in tune, so in touch, he just prayed. But now in this setting, he had done messed up. He had been forgiven. And he needed God's undivided attention. And so he asked God to listen. Number one, he asked him to listen about his situation. He's got a situation here. Absalom's trying to dethrone him. And he's had sin to creep into his life. He's now experienced life outside of God's will. And ain't that how the devil does us? Even though we've got forgiven, once we've sinned and, and once we've got out of the will of God, sometimes... We don't think God will quite hear us. But could you listen to me tonight? Look up here. If you have repented and you have turned from that sin and you've asked God to forgive you, can I let you know? He hears you. But David's got a situation. Anybody in here know what a situation is? <laughs> we got a situation here. And his situation is 
his son's trying to dethrone him. And in this situation, he's reminded, I've got a God that will listen. I want to remind you, God is a hearing God. And I want you to watch the holy boldness of David. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. Give ear to my words, O Lord. We know we got a hearing God tonight. We know we got a God that listens to prayer. But this will aid you. This will help you in your prayer time if you'll hear and watch what David does. He's got a holy boldness. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. Now, when you study that out, when David says, give ear to my words, O Lord, it literally translates, David is telling God, cup your hands around your ears and don't miss what I'm fixing to say. I think that's pretty bold to go ahead and tell a God who hears even what your heart whispers. And you've got such a situation, you tell God, I know you listen, but I need your undivided attention. If you don't mind, go ahead and take your hand, put it around there where you don't miss what I'm fixing to say. Look up here. Do you not consider that pretty bold? To tell a God who hears everything? Don't miss what I'm saying. He just told God, get your hand and put behind your ear. And then it says, give heed. You know what that translates? I need your ears pricked up. You ever rode a horse across a big pasture and he hears or sees something way before you do? How do you know that? Those ears that's just been doing that, all of a sudden those ears of that horse go. You know why? He hears something or see something that you haven't seen. You know what David just said? And it's because he's got a situation. I'm going to be very bold. I'm going to ask God not only to cup his hand around his ears, I'm going to go ahead and ask him to prick them up and listen to me. We've got a hearing God. Can I get an amen? But when you have a situation, remember, you can be bold. Thank God the Hebrew writer said we can boldly, and I believe David does it right here, enter the throne room of grace. So in this situation, we see a holy boldness. But look here. We know we got a hearing God, but when you ask Him to listen, sometimes it's because of a heavy burden. He says in verse 1, Consider my meditation. In other words, when you've got a situation, let me ask you, what do you think was consuming David's mind in Psalms 3, 4, and 5? That ought to be an easy answer. What's consuming his mind is his sons trying to dethrone him. The people are trying to boot him. I'm pretty sure if you want to talk to him about golf that day, you couldn't get his full attention. I'm pretty soon pretty sure that all he could think about 
is his son is trying to dethrone him. The people that he used to serve and lead the right direction are now coming against him. I think David probably had a pretty heavy heart. And when we have a heavy heart, even though we know we've got a hearing God, I don't think we ever pray like we could really pray until sometimes the burden gets heavy. See, the fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. But I'm not sure how fervently we pray until the burden gets heavy. You know what might keep the burdens from getting heavy? Is to have a holy boldness to go to God before the heavy burdens come. So David asked God to listen because he's got a situation. And he shows us something that will aid us in our prayer. We can have a holy boldness. We can ask God, cup your hands behind your ear, prick up your ears. I've got a situation. I've got a heavy burden. You got that? But look here. When he asked God to listen, he don't only know he's a hearing God. He knows he's a holy God. Look at verse 4. For you not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness and lawlessness, nor shall evil dwell with you. Here's what he knew. He knew that he was lawless and wicked in his sin. But when he goes to God with this situation, you know what he's telling God? What Absalom's doing, no matter what I've done, what Absalom's doing, that don't make it right. You know what David realized in prayers? He messed up. You showed me you didn't like my sin. You showed me. Nathan the prophet come and showed me. And I'm just going to remind you I'm praying for my situation. And no matter what I've done, I know it was wrong. Two wrongs never make it right. So I know that what Absalom's trying to do to get revenge on me, I know you don't like that. Folks, that helps us in our prayer time. David asked God to listen in his situation, but he shows us how we can boldly enter the throne room. But he asked him to listen not only about his situation, but he asked him to listen when it comes to the sinner. The wicked, the lawless, David knew such a man has no footing. Look what he says in verse 5. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. Can you imagine the boasting that Absalom and all them people was doing? Man, we're going to take this throne. He says he he don't have a foot to stand on. I've told you my situation. I know you're a holy God, but here's what I know. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate workers of iniquity, boast of their sin and wickedness and lawlessness. They're trying to do this. And look here. I'm fixing to face them in battle. And I know they don't have a foot to stand on. You with me? But then, look what he says. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. David's saying, they're after me. I'm facing a huge fight. I've boldly come to you with this situation. But now I'm telling you, I know they don't have a foot to stand on. And I know they don't have a future. So, David asked God to listen about the situation, about the sinner. And watch this. He asked God to listen about the sanctuary, concerning the sanctuary. Look at verse 7. But as for me, I will come into your house in a multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. 
What's that old saying? And maybe I said it wrong at Telecor because they looked at me like a cow at a new gate when I said it. So maybe I said it wrong. When I don't get the looks I think I'm going to get, I figure, well, I must have said it wrong. How many of you, when I knew this morning, I called Calvin Carl in the service? Some of you are laughing now. I didn't mean to do that. Didn't do it for a chuckle. And two people, I said, did you realize I called Calvin Carl? They said, no, I just thought there was a Carl in the crowd. So sometimes when we're preaching, we don't say what we mean to say. or we. But he's asked God to listen. He had a situation. He asked God to listen about the sinner. He don't have no footing. He don't have no future. Listen to me. But he asked God to listen about the sanctuary, and he says, I will worship you. Don't miss this. He was run out of Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, there was one place for the presence of God. Don't have the advantage that we have. We can worship God anywhere. But in the Old Testament, they thought they had to get to the temple. That's where the presence of God was. Well, what had happened to David? He got run out of town. You say, well, what did you say Wednesday night? You said wrong. You don't miss the milk till the cow's gone. Did I say that right? How many times in America do we take worship for granted? How many times do we do that? All the time. In America especially. You guys trying to figure out the saying, Reagan? You don't miss the milk till the cow's gone. You don't miss the cow till the milk's gone. Don't matter. Get the point. So you guys, you're trying to say, he's messed us up. We don't even know. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Take the cow and the milk out of it. David maybe didn't miss worship till it was ripped away from him and couldn't go. And in foreign countries, they had to battle to get to worship. And here David is, run out of the town. And what's he saying? God, I need you to listen to me. I've got a situation. I need you to listen to me about these sinners. But I'm telling you right now, even though I've been run out of town, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to look towards your temple, and I'm going to worship you. God help us, and it goes back to that old saying, for using every excuse not to be at worship instead of using everything else. Or worship excuse for not being anywhere else. When it's taken from us, we might see how much we miss it. How much encouragement we really get from being here. That's what David is saying. He asked God, listen to me. I've got a situation. Listen to me. I've got some sinners after me. Listen to me. I want back in your sanctuary. God help the church in America to desire to get back to the sanctuary to worship God. Because one of these days, when it begins to wax worse and worse, that may be taken from us. God help us. When it is, ask God to listen. Let him know we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth wherever we're at. Now look here, second point. That had a bunch of subpoints, didn't it? David asked God to listen. David asked God to lead. And this is very important what we learn here. Listen to verse 8. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouths. Somebody said Ray Barnes just... Thelbert Barnes said this of Ray Barnes. That Ray just believes anybody. 
He's just so kind-hearted, and he wouldn't lie to nobody, and he don't think anybody would lie to him. For their faith, there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. What do we learn from that? His son's after him. There's a war going on. Now, David, ain't he a mighty man of battle? Is David a mighty man of battle? He had been in war before, and what do they do in war? They send maybe a peace treaty. They want to make peace. And perhaps David is wondering, what if he sends some of his men over here to make a peace deal? He's got God's undivided attention. He asked him to listen. Now he's asking them to lead. Don't let me make a mistake. If they send a peace treaty, I know faithfulness is not in their mouth. I know they're deceitful. I know they lie. So what I'm needing is if they do that, I need some discernment. And I need to know without a shadow of a doubt the decision I'm to make. That's what David just asked him. Don't let them flatter me. Don't let them deceive me. You lead me. David said, don't even let me make that decision. You lead me. How much better would we as Christians be if we'd ask the Lord to listen? And we'd go to his throne with a holy boldness, with a heavy burden. And then when we got through, we'd say, you lead. So many times we get up from our prayer time and we just go do what we want to do anyway. And we're flattered and we're deceived and we now have to live with the consequences of it. And David had been there too many times. Maybe the flattering words of an opposing army had got him before. So he don't miss the opportunity in Psalms chapter 5. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb, and they flatter with their tongues. Any situation you got, let me give you some encouragement from Psalms chapter 5. Ask the Lord to lead your decision. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. And then finally, and I'll be through. Ain't a clock back there. I don't know why I keep looking. There's a place that's not stained. Look back there. See that place? Clock used to hang there. Not only did he ask God to listen, ask God to lead. He asked God to legislate. Legislate, that's a government term, ain't it? Look here. Legislate concerning the rebels. Now watch verse 10. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against me. Nobody caught me? They rebelled against you. In other words, I'm going to ask you to legislate. Legislate. They didn't rebel against me. They rebelled against you. 
See, when David, you can tie this all to Psalms 51. When he got caught in his sin, he didn't go say, I've sinned against my family. I've sinned against my country. He said, I've sinned against you. I rebelled against you, God. And you're the one that's going to legislate. You're the one that's going to pronounce the sentence. You're the one that's going to do that. And so he understands that now better than he ever has because he messed up. He didn't get let God lead, and he wasn't listening to God. And now, somehow, through the tragedies, here he is back. He's trusting, and he's fixing to see a victory. He's fixing to get that triumph, eh? That roller coaster ride. Stay with me. But I'm asking you to legislate because they've rebelled against you. Now, look right here. Sometimes, say, well, the Bible says we pray for enemies. He's not praying for them to get what they deserve. And how do we know that? Shimei, Shimei, Shimei. One of the opposing armies. Cindy's nodding her head. Yes, it's one of them things I can't say it. I think it's spelled S-H-I-M-E-I. He cursed and run David down more than anybody. And David had the power to have him executed. This is how I know. He's just asking God to legislate. And, and I think he really had a heart for his enemies. He had the opportunity to execute old Shimmy. I'll just call him Shimmy. And when he had the opportunity to do that, he didn't. He showed him grace and mercy. So David's not asking for his enemies to be destroyed spiritually. He's saying, stop what they're doing. You're a God who don't like this. I'm asking you to legislate. I'm asking you to lead. And when he had the opportunity to execute Shimmy, guess what? He didn't do it. So don't get the wrong mindset when you read this in Psalms chapter 5. He's a mean Christian. The other proof of that is what did he ask his two leaders to do with Absalom? Be gentle with him. I mean, there's going to be consequences. I'm asking God to legislate. We're going to let God do the punishing. I'm asking you guys just to be gentle with him. How many of us want to legislate our own? We want our enemies to get what they deserve. What David simply said is, he rebelled against you. Why don't you take care of his rebellion? Why don't you legislate? Why don't you make the call in that? And that, I just love the point that you, when you first read it, you think, man, he's not the Christian turning his other cheek. He's not the one praying for his enemy. But when you see he don't execute Shimmy and he asks his leaders to deal gently with Absalom, we see he's really meant what he said in this prayer. You legislate. You deal with them, not me. And it's better for God to deal with them than us. And can I get a amen on that? God can give them way more what they need than you and I can. But look here. He not only asked God to legislate concerning the rebels, he asked God to legislate concerning the redeemed. Look at verse 11 and 12. You take care of them rebels. But let me tell you what I want you to do for those of us who's been redeemed. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you and let them shout for joy because you defend them. David's figured out now, the battle belongs to the Lord. Let them shout for joy because you defend them. There's going to be a victory. Let those who love your name 
be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous and favor you surround with a shield. I think we can learn quite a bit from Psalms chapter 5 because we all have a situation. We all know those who are lawless and wicked around us. And I think sometimes we take our worship for granted. When it comes to situation centers in our sanctuary, we ought to ask God to listen. And when it comes time to make decisions, we ought to ask God to lead. And when it comes to those that rebelled not against us, we don't battle with flesh and blood. They're rebelling against God, not us. Why don't you legislate? Why don't you make the call what to do with the rebels? But while you're doing that, let us, the redeemed, just keep shouting for joy. Because why? We're going to have a victory. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Father, we love you. We praise you here this evening. And we just thank you that the battle belongs to you. And when we search our memories, we see all the battles and all the victories that you've brought to our hearts as individuals. We can go to our memory bank and we can think of all the victories that you've led us through. But Father, we don't want those just to be precious memories. We don't just want those victories to be in the past. Because you're the God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So those battles and victories that are just memories, they're to encourage us in the victories over the battles and in the battles that we will face in the future. So Father... As we think about those precious memories, don't let victories and souls and changed lives be simply a memory around exciting southeast. Let them just encourage us to keep on keeping on because we can't ask too much of you, our God. Father, if there's a soul need to be saved or a prayer that needs to be offered, we ask that we, I ask that you do it and move in the hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen.